Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up? Call us the tricks of your trade! Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter? Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade! Hello, welcome to episode 14 of the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Serson, Construction Adjudicator and Director of Tricks of Your Trade. Today on my podcast, I want to talk to you guys about keeping it real and finding a really good balance between legal compliance, mitigating risk, but also living life and getting things done. Each and every one of us that's in business needs to take a certain amount of commercial risk in order to be in business. It's just the nature of what we're doing. We're not playing it safe. We're not somebody else's employee, you know, confined to the payroll on the gravy train and happy and content with just letting someone else run the show. We decided to be in business because we wanted to make something our own and break away from the pack. And one of the constant uh, elements of resistance, I suppose you'd call it, that I get from my clients is when we're doing a contract review and they say to me, I don't even know what the point of you reading this is. The builder's not gonna accept changes and we're gonna sign this anyway. What I would say is the point of me reading it is that we don't have to completely be blindfolded in our transactions. We can be aware of things and mitigate against them. And so I can't tell you how many times I've had clients who have been in really big hot water under contract and they've said to me, if I'd just known this one thing, we never would have done A, B or C. And it's not that they wouldn't have done the contract. They certainly would have still signed the contract and maybe even not even changed anything in the contract. But had they had prior knowledge of what some of the little loopholes were in the contract, they might have done some things differently throughout the job. Say, for example, uh, you know, liquidated damages is always one of the ones where people just get really upset and say, look, this is not fair. And most of the time the builders delayed you. And you guys are really unhappy when you come to me at the end of the job and you haven't done anything to mitigate against LDs and you've actually tried to be a good bloke and build relationships and, you know, do a few favours here and there for your builder. And for whatever reason, he's in commercial trouble and he just says, well, I'm entitled, so I'm taking it and I need it to save my business. A lot of times you won't even get the explanation. You'll just get the deduction on your final claim. But there was this analogy, I think there was a story in a Will Smith book I read once where um, the ancient Egyptians used to actually blindfold their horses when they would walk them over suspension bridges or when they would ride them through fire. And that always stuck with me because you are more likely to take more risk, but you're probably going to be fine. And this is the thing is the people who who were riding the horses knew the horses would be fine and that they would be able to get over to the other side of the suspension bridge if they just didn't panic um, or lose their marbles. But if they didn't put the blindfold on the horse, the horse would freak out, rear up, potentially, you know, refuse to go through the fire or refuse to run over the bridge. And so uh, there'd be a big accident and everything would just come unstuck right at the very beginning. And that story about, uh, you know, blindfolding the horses is something that I constantly reflect on when I'm working out the commercial risk involved in things. And 
at the moment, my husband and I are buying a block of land off the plan and the developer's not got the operational works approved through council yet. And as a construction lawyer, I can see all of the risks. I can't put a blindfold on. It's not in me to be able to do that. My husband, on the other hand, he's, you know, more of a practical, realistic, normal person. And he's able to say to me, well, hang on a second. Do you really think it's likely that this will happen given that they have to do, you know, A, B and C to be able to get the plans uh, done anyway? And so I think that there can be a really good balance between knowing what the risks are and not signing something that is um, predatory, I think is probably the best word. If you've got somebody who you're about to do dealings with and they are in a predatory frame of mind, or if they're a little bit kamikaze because they think their business is going under anyway and they're just looking for a money grab, that could be uh, the difference between you getting stitched up in that and you not having to incur that loss. And so I'm not suggesting that you don't run through the fire. I'm not suggesting that you don't go over the suspension bridge. Um, But what I am suggesting is that if you do want to have the blindfold on and you want to take the risk and not freak out and still embark on the transaction, take the blindfold off at one point because you can't keep running with the blindfold on. That's when you're going to crash. I suppose the other really... um, big aspect of that story with the horses with the blindfolds is that they had a trainer or they had you know somebody who was riding the horse that guided them through that dangerous experience so they didn't do it alone they didn't just stick a blindfold on and run at the fire I mean that is insane (laughs) who who in their right mind would do that Uh, but you know they've got a handler they've got somebody who owns them that they trust can take them through that scary experience and they know that they can come out on the other side in good hands. And that to me is probably the perfect analogy of why you really need to be getting guidance in terms of these commercial transactions that you might be embarking on. And it's not necessarily the case that you will always be talked out of signing a contract. Sometimes there might be conditions in that contract that really are deal breakers. If you don't know that they're in there or if you're reading them and interpreting them the wrong way, it's very unlikely that you're going to get the outcome that you want because you won't be able to negotiate from a commercial perspective to find a workaround and you're very likely to just leave the residual risk in there because you won't know how to properly eliminate it. So I suppose the other aspect of this is how much of your time are you wasting on this? How much time and stress are you putting on yourself trying to do this job yourself when this is not your area of expertise? So number one, you're not likely to find what you need to find in the first place. Number two, you're probably likely to bark up the wrong tree or go down an avenue of trying to negotiate something that's not going to actually really materially help you anyway. And the way that lawyers write these contracts, they actually take great sick pleasure in finding ways to confuse lay people. And and when I say lay people, that's what lawyers call people who don't have legal qualifications uh, or who are non-lawyers. They're just everyday Joes. And they, they will essentially build a contract in a way or structure a contract in a way that is intended for you to misinterpret or to go to the wrong section to find a definition or something like that. And then you'll find that when a solicitor picks it up and they actually interpret the contract the way that the lawyer intended for it to be effective, uh, nine times out of 10, the 
lay person or the average Joe who's had a crack at it themselves is just sitting there with their mouth wide open going, wow, I never would have thought that that would have been the answer, but it is. And now I'm angry about it because I think this guy's been dodgy in leading me down this path. So we do have, we do have a responsibility as business people to take the blindfold off and know what we are getting into uh, or, and to either not embark on the commercial transaction if we're not sure what it is or if we are going to embark on the commercial transaction, get somebody who knows what they're doing to help you with the contract review. So I fully recognize that the way that you guys work is that you'll have repeat business with builders over and over again. And so say, for example, I might have a client who brings me a Hutchies contract and they say, look, I'm not going to pay you every single time I sign one of these. I'm doing 15 to 20 jobs a year and that's fine. And so what I usually suggest is let us review the first contract and then after that, we can prepare an internal contract review checklist for you you can do the internal review yourself. Now, in the Subbies toolbox, I have got a complete internal contract review checklist that will take you through all of the administrative aspects of a contract. And it's not legal advice. It's not designed to be, hey, let's sit down and let's redraft this clause and find a way uh, to get the builder to accept our changes. The Subbies toolbox assumes that you've already got a contract signed or that you've got a contract offered to you and you are going through on the basis that you probably won't be negotiating changes. Now, I'm not advocating for that. I'm not saying, hey, throw caution to the wind and just sign contracts. I still think that the first time you work for a builder, you should have that contract reviewed by a lawyer and get some legal advice about all of the risk that's in the contract, not just the administrative risk. Uh, But I suppose I've come to terms with the idea over the last decade that subcontractors, uh, not all of you are really going to go out and pay a lawyer for this. And so if you're not going to do that, at the very least, have your own internal contract review. Do your own internal contract review with the checklist so that you can do it methodically and you can actually identify the things you need to identify. So each of the uh, sections of the internal contract review covers the commercial aspects of your business, not just the legal aspects, which is a major issue sometimes when you're getting legal advice and the advice that you're given doesn't really marry up with the way your business works. But also it gives you a complete administrative framework uh, to identify what are the time bars, what are the notices we need to give at what times, Um, Is this going to commercially work for us in terms of defects management and design and programming and the way that our trade is structured? So it's, you know, it's not just a matter of sitting down. If you're going to attempt to read a contract that a builder gives you and you sit and you start to read it from start to finish, I can guarantee you by the time you finish the definitions, you will be confused because the way that contracts are structured, they are structured in such a way that you need to refer to several sections at the same time to get all of the information uh, to reach a conclusion about what, what something says. Now, I've got instructional videos on every single element of that, and I take it uh, take you through it. So if you were to have an admin person who you were going to dedicate in your business to this task, what better way than to just sit them in front of the subbies toolbox in the, in the internal contract review section, have them uh, use the checklist with the video right there, taking them through it uh, with the contract in front of them. And that, my friend, is the solution to you needing to review 50, 60, 70, 100 contracts every year 
uh, and not wanting to pay a lawyer for the legal advice every single time and not wanting to negotiate changes every single time. And so the last thing I want to say about this business of taking on risk is, yes, there is a good, happy medium. You should not be blindly signing your contracts because if somebody is predatory or looking to take advantage of you, you'll get gone. If you have somebody who can guide you through this stuff and make help you make a good commercial decision about whether or not the risk is worth it and what normal people do in the circumstances, that's your best happy medium, I think. If you have got a, a builder that you've been working with for a very long time and you all of a sudden want to negotiate subcontract terms with them, they can get their hackles up and wonder what on earth is going on. And there's a few ways that you can approach it. Um, one of the things that I find is really good is that you can say to them, look, we didn't have this uh, covered before, but this is now our business policy. And you should take some heart that we do this now because we won't get got by another builder um, while we're working for you. And we know the last thing you want is for us to, um, for our business to go broke because we're having some big contractual problem with another one of our clients. So it's not even necessarily about you, Mr. Builder. It's just that we're going to do this with absolutely everyone moving forward. But the first time that you work for a builder, the reason it's so important to get your contract reviewed at that point is the commercial risk is at its highest point. You've got no idea what this guy's conduct's like. You've never worked with him before. He's got no track record. And it's also your best opportunity to actually get some uh, changes across the line because you're going to set a precedent. Every time you work with the builder moving forward, if you can look back and say, look, these were the ones we had changed the first time. Can we just from this point onwards always have these terms? Your builder's more likely to feel at ease and go, okay, well, look, this is just the standard operating terms that these guys will agree to. And they've got some not negotiables. Um, you know, most business people, reasonable business people can relate to that. They've also got not negotiables and they're taking on commercial risk as well. So it's about how you have that conversation but if you decide to just blindly sign the contract the very first time you work for a builder, he's going to expect you to do it every time. And if you all of a sudden ask to start changing things up, uh, you'd probably be met with a little bit more resistance than if you'd just done it the very first time. So that concludes my podcast for episode 14. Uh, I genuinely hope you guys all have a really great weekend. The weather is absolutely smashing here on the sunny coast and I intend to get myself outside. Uh, until next week, have a good one. If you have any questions about what I've talked about on this podcast, feel free to drop me a good old-fashioned email at questions at tricksofyourtrade.com.au. If you would like a systematic approach to your contract administration and getting paid, head on over to our website and check out the Subbies Toolbox. You won't be disappointed there. And just one last time, our web address is www.tricksofyourtrade.com.au. Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkers farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing boats? Swinging your tools more you gave up? Call us the tricks of your trade! Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter, don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade!